for your information is brought to you by Slugworth's Intimidation Service. Spare the time, trick the child. Ladies and gentlemen, live from coast to coast, we proudly present For Your Information with Zach and John. So much content and so little time. Wait, scratch that. Reverse it. Welcome to For Your Information, a podcast about good movies, better cocktails, and best friends. We're your hosts, Zach. And I'm John. And this week, uh, we're going to round out our weird little November bullshit we've been doing. Um, Just so you guys know, nothing was planned. It was all eclectic on purpose. And you know what? We did a indie darling and a pseudo porno for this month, so I guess it only makes sense to round it off with... Uh, Willy Wonka from 1971. Uh, that's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, so I kind of wanted to do this for the end of November because uh, in recent years, it seems like people kind of consider this like a pseudo like Christmas adjacent film, which I've never quite understood. I mean, people like feel-good movies at Christmas time. It doesn't even necessarily have to be a Christmas movie, you know? Um, I think that if we can consider Die Hard a Christmas movie, we may as well just go ahead and pull the trigger and call, like, Showgirls a Christmas movie, too. <laughs> um, no, I don't know who feels good after watching that. Like, it's not even really, like... I, I meant to say this last week, but it's not even really, like, jerk-off worthy. <laughs> no, no, I don't think that it is. Uh, not for most people, anyway. I guess if you're just, like, sitting in front of the TV and it comes on, it, it might make you feel a certain kind of way you know but i i don't think we can call it anything else nope but we we left it all last week anything that we forgot to say is left for not let's get right into it so willy wonka from 1971 john how like how for the love of god have you not seen this were you never a child this is another one of those movies that i saw pieces of in various places you know it'd be like on the tv at a friend's house or it would be like uh you know, we go to pick my brother up from, like, a, uh, I don't know, like, some kind of daycare type thing when he was mm -hmm. a little kid, and this would be on, you know? Like, it, it's a big daycare movie. I, I guess so, yeah. I mean, it's it's relatively inoffensive, and it has some, uh, good lessons, I guess? Good lessons, yes. Good enough lessons, but... Anyway, so this was your first time watching this movie all the way through. Uh, how did you feel about it? Did, did it make you feel like a child and that all your dreams would one day come true? Um, you know what? I think it was more feel-good than some of the other, like, children's movies or quote-unquote mm -hmm. feel-good family-friendly movies that I've seen. Uh, it's got personality. It, it has more personality than most of those, like, well-rounded, squeaky-clean kind of movies are. But it, it does manage to still be totally, you know, child-friendly. So that that is... A I understand the primer for making it a Christmas-adjacent movie. Right, because that's what I've always liked about this. Like, people generally compare this one to, like, The Wizard of Oz. Like, it's on the same level. And uh, like I kind of said in our Wizard of Oz episode, uh, go back all the way to the beginning of this year if you want to hear that. Um, It's, like, the foundation for, like, a good children's film that is going to, like, endure the test of time is to make the film not just with children in mind, but with adults, but don't, like, just add 
add adult jokes into the kids movie because that's what we get a lot of today Mm -hmm. like i think the trick is just making an entertaining movie and the fact that it's like child friendly and it's like you know for kids is you know besides the point right 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 for kids entertainment ruining animes since 1998 oh god yeah i mean you want to know one of the number reasons why i like kind of got out of anime was like i can't do this because do you remember when like um like subtitled anime was like actually kind of hard to come by um not really i've never really been into anime like i read a few of the uh, is it manga is it manga it is manga yeah i read a few of those things like when i was like 12 or 13 and you know i never really went much further past that so like i remember back when we got like some of the earlier ones like i remember when cowboy bebop was first airing in the u.s yeah, exactly. That's actually one of the only anime, like, I would still, like, watch. See ya, Space Cowboy. I'm trying to appeal to you people. I'm yeah, tr- some people I, we're, call we, me the Space Cowboy. Some people call me the gangster of podcasting. No one calls me that. No one and calls me that either. I wish they would. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody calls me Maurice either. What is this bit? Anyway, yeah. so, um, like, um, so another big thing about this movie is that, you know, it's parodied in, like, countless things. Like, I mean, like, the number one thing I could think of is, uh, fan family guy where they go to the Pawtucket uh brewery and mm. it's like set up like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory but I mean like there's all kinds of stuff uh they did it epic movie uh technically the Fergalicious music video is an homage to this okay so I need to know if the Fergalicious music video came first or if epic movie was parodying both Charlie and the Chocolate Factory slash Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and the Fergalicious music video by doing that whole bit uh yes it was and I think we've already spent way too much time talking about epic movie no, that's important. It's the first PG-13 movie I was allowed to see in theaters. Wow, that's crazy. I saw you it in were theaters there, too with my dad. <laughs> What a shitty time at the movies that was. Do you remember when we went, like, the first movie you and I ever went to go see, like, this is gonna sound weird, but, like, alone? Like, without a, like, parent supervision? We went to go see Disaster Movie? It was Disaster Movie, wasn't it? I do remember that. And it sucked. <laughs> uh, you know what? I don't know what we expected with a title, like, Disaster Movie. I don't know. I guess because we both liked epic movies so much, we were like, this one's gonna be good, too, and then we found out the hard way that that is not the truth. So, I guess, I guess the thing I'm trying to ask here is, was the film diminished? by the parodies of it that you've seen i don't think so i mean i knew the premise of the movie i had seen the charlie and the chocolate factory movie um several times actually like i saw that one in theaters when it first came out you know with johnny depp and all that and um i was familiar with the story so uh, while i was primed for it i uh, don't think it ruined okay it now now that you've seen both <laughs> which one do you prefer do you prefer the tim burton version or this version I feel like that's, like, that's similar to asking, do you prefer, like, uh you know, whatever the new Star Wars series is, or do you prefer, like, A New Hope? Like, they're both Star Wars movies. They're both taking place, like, it's the same story, essentially. It's just, like, a totally different view mm-hmm. on it. So, I don't know that I prefer one or the other. They're just two totally different movies. I, I like the like the chicness of the other one but i i like the uh i don't know like the aesthetic of this one like it, it is a classic yeah movie. it i mean i've i've thoroughly enjoyed this one much more i i don't really like the tim burton version which i know is probably weird for me to say because i am a tim burton fan but i do like thoroughly think that that version is shit like i just i don't like it even though it does follow uh the novel a lot closer but we'll get into that um my other question would be uh have you you heard uh primus's um cover album of all the songs from this uh primus and the chocolate factory of all the primus content that i've 
listened to. I don't think I've listened to that in its entirety, and I couldn't tell you a single song off of it. Um, have you seen the Mr. Crinkle music video? From Primus? Yes. No. Um, I've seen the My Name is Mud video, because of course. I've seen right. um, one known as Big Brown Beaver. Um, I don't yes, even know if we're technically course. allowed to say that. Um, <laughs> okay, we're, that's where we're going to draw the line on things we're allowed to say on Fair the podcast. Fair enough. Um... <laughs> No, I have not heard that, but um, I will definitely go check it out. Put it up on the Facebook page so I, I remember to look at it. I remember to watch it. Um, now, my last question here before we get into the rest of the episode is: What was your favorite part of the movie? Mm, that's uh, that's a hard one. Um, I like the Mike TV scene. I think it was very Space Odyssey esque, oh, yeah. and I really appreciated that. And that that was fun to watch. That was a good scene. Uh, Mike TV is not super annoying. So I feel like that was uh, that was a little more wholesome. It wasn't like you know cheese grater on my ears the whole time, like uh, some of the other kids were. Yeah, are you talking about Veruca Salt specifically? Uh, yeah, I think so. I, you know what? Let's go ahead and do this right now. Let's rank the kids. Rank the like, kids by level of enjoyability on screen. Um, I think Charlie's got to be at the top. Charlie's wholesome. yeah, Charlie. Charlie, like he's definitely like the hero you want to root for. Um, I guess I would have to go Augustus after that. So why Augustus second? Because he has the least amount of screen time, and he, he it like he doesn't annoy me as bad. Also, as like you know, a uh, a fat child, I'm like, yeah, I probably would have tried to eat the fucking chocolate water. Yeah, I mean, I probably would have. So I, I so feel his pain. Is it a chocolate river or is it Yoohoo? It okay. So they they sell it. What they say it is is that you know like how normal chocolate factories will like have a big vat that they mix the chocolate mixture in. Yeah. They are saying that instead of doing it in a big vat like that, it's like a chocolate waterfall and it like, you know, mixes the chocolate better. Okay, so for chocolate to liquefy, it has to be at like a higher temperature. Like it'll melt in your hand, but it's not really going to liquefy in your hand. Right. So it has to be above body temperature, I would say. So we're talking about a river that is, I'm going to say about 100 to 115 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, And it takes up a lot of that room. That room is hot as fuck okay so hold on hold on are you familiar with like the the tempering chocolate like um process yeah okay so i would assume it's more like that like it's like it's being tempered right there so that it can like go down into the chocolate sewage thing which is technically just the convection line i don't i don't know mm-hmm. how it's supposed to work it's a children's film at the end of the day right 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 it's like uh they killed that man they killed that child um yeah in this movie they definitely make it seem like those kids are dead but mm-hmm. wh- so like where where does that uh like how how does that work like are we uh, are we just gonna gloss over the fact that like most of these kids are probably dead um okay so technically it's up to your imagination if they're dead or not because um in the we'll talk about this later but in the novel they um they don't die they get their like lifetime supply of chocolate and they leave but they're disfigured because of it right yeah like Mike TV looks like a big long stretched out like I don't know uh Pixar Studios reject yeah i think that was actually um the the bubblegum girl what's her name oh oh uh violet violet Beauregard. Beauregard, that's her um and that like so that they're all okay at the end of it 
it's like they're not dead but this movie like they just kind of like drop off like they never mention them again except like in passing so it definitely like the implication the implication is that they're dead but you can also choose to live in a world where children don't die on screen (laughs) right 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 so uh i think to go back to where we all started with this uh charlie's number one augustus you're putting augustus second personally i think violet beauregard is fine i don't think that she's like an annoying piece of crap character um same with mike tv i don't think he's super annoying uh salts veruca salt is definitely the worst i think veruca salt probably gets put above mike tv you just dislike mike tv that no 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 it's not that i dislike mike tv it's that um veruca salt uh her name was used for like a pretty good like femme punk band so like i have like positive fucking receptors for that name so i i would put her a little bit above mike tv plus mike tv is ruined for me because of the 2005 remake where they did make him an annoying piece of shit okay i see what you mean i guess yeah i don't know so anyway, up to your discretion, you at home, you rank them. You tell us how you would rank them. If you don't put yes, Charlie up yes. at the top, don't bother commenting because I'm going to delete it. Anyway. <laughs> right, yes. This is the authoritarianism you are looking exactly. for. Exactly. Like, I'm not going to wait for Facebook to find out what bullshit you're typing. I'm going to do it for them. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Cancel. <laughs> cancel. Your comments is canceled. Anyway, before we before we get too stuck on this, um, I'm just going to say, and if you didn't guess what my favorite part of the movie is, it's definitely definitely the rowboat scene okay uh the rowboat scene where they're going through the tunnel yeah and he it's like the uh, like he's like basically screaming saying that little like weird ass poem yeah 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 yeah. i it was very confusing like in the other one it was super trippy like in the tim burton remake and uh you know it was there was a lot more going on whereas in this one i feel like they just put the boat in a dark room and flashed some lights at it and had you know uh, gene wilder screaming at a bunch of kids yeah um we'll get we'll get into it later but that scene is actually kind of interesting and so is like a lot of the scenes in this because they were genuine reactions i see okay uh so they're doing that thing again that stanley kubrick did with uh shelly duvall in the shine um yes to a lesser extent uh no no one was harmed or mentally harmed during the making of this film yes be afraid be afraid (laughs) yes I'm going to take all of your cats, Shelly. Give them to me. You'll get these back when you do a good performance. Anyway. Yeah, he's just sitting back there with one of those flat fucking cricket bats just like pounding it against his hand. (laughs) He's never actually going to hit her with it. He's just the, like the image. He is going to break things in the room, though. Oh, hell yeah. And then I'll scream, like, look what you made me do. Look what you made me do with my bat. Someone had a stepdad. All right. Anyway. Oh, that let, let's move on into our next segment. <clears throat> Who can make a sunrise? Sprinkle it with gin. The cocktail man can. John, give me a fucking cocktail. All right, so you're probably going to be really disappointed to know that I didn't actually make a cocktail for this week. I thought this was too big of an opportunity for me to go down the liquor wonderland that is like liqueurs and like candy alcohols. So I thought we'd do a little bit of expose on some of the more popular varieties and where you can find things to make your own special Wonka-like creations at home. Uh, please drink responsibly. I'm hoping for an everlasting gobstopper, like, whiskey. I hope that's what you're about to tell me. How does an everlasting whiskey work? Um, you are now forever drunk. <laughs> I see. So it's brain damage. <laughs> yeah, 
Yes. Okay. Well, let, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, we'll, we'll just go to the top down and talk about a few of these things. Um, creme de cacao. Okay, so naturally, we have to talk about chocolate liqueur. Uh, there's a few varieties of this, uh, especially nowadays you have branded stuff. I know Starbucks tried to do their own chocolatey liqueur thing. Um, Godiva has a rather popular chocolate liqueur. And then creme de cacao is like one of the more, uh, it's one of the more classic varieties that you see in like a chocolate martini, if memory serves. So uh, this is not necessarily one of those liquors that's been the same the whole time. You know, you have stuff like Cointreau that's been the same recipe ever since it was made. Or you have like, um, you know, brandies or uh, cognacs that have been the same recipe ever since they've been made. Uh, creme de cacao actually used to be a chocolate wine, believe it or not. Chocolate wine? Yes. Uh, some stay dry and others feel the pain. <laughs> so you have something like a dessert wine, like a port or a sherry, something like that, and they would add chocolate to it. This was actually really popular in North America in the early 1800s. Okay, so back in the 1800s, some dude was like, God damn it, I'm so tired of buying wine and chocolate. <gasps> What if I just combine the two? Yeah, you could say that. Or maybe the chocolate they had back then was like the bitter like chocolate that you would drink. It wasn't like the sweet, sugary chocolate that we've had for the past hundred or so years. Oh, okay, so this is not True Moo. No, 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 no. Uh, please do not bring up True Moo around me again. <laughs> we cannot talk about that. They took away the salt packets and left True Moo. I know. Like, like, oh, okay, so now I can't have salt, but I can have like literally 60 grams of sugar. Fuck you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, priorities. Priorities. So, <laughs> the chocolate liqueurs you're going to see today, or the creme de cacaos of today, are really more of like a, uh, a liqueur that is flavored with chocolate extracts and vanilla extracts to give it a sweet dessert kind of flavor, which is what you're going to see out of most liqueurs these days. Um, a lot of times this will be taken as a digestif, which is like a, uh, it's a serving of liqueur that you drink on its own after a meal to aid with digestion or to settle a stomach. Oh, okay. so wait, so alcohol actually is like, you know, used for something medical? Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, they used to rub it on baby's gums. Some people still do that, you know? Uh, some people just, you know, put the baby in like a, uh, a Catholic style bath, you know, where they just dunk the baby in the thing, except it's Jack Daniels. <laughs> Imagine if you could just... Just like absorb alcohol like like you can a nicotine patch yes uh that would be a dangerous thing you can it's called space aids don't look it up um i is it worse than butt chugging it is butt chugging. oh okay all right so this is the same thing got it yes exactly uh so that's creme de cacao you're gonna see that a lot in your dessert cocktails let's talk about goldschlager so we hit chocolate and now we have to hit goldschlager i'm going down the list of wonka related alcohols okay so goldschlager remind me what this is so Goldschlager is a clear cinnamon schnapps from Switzerland that comes packaged with flakes of gold leaf floating in the alcohol. You know, for 18-year-olds. Yeah, 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 yeah. It has less than a dollar's worth of gold leaf in it. Oh. But boy, does it sell. Boy, do people love that stuff. Yeah, if you got a stripper that you have to buy fucking liquor for, I guess, I guess this is a good way to go. I mean, I suppose so. If you're just down with drinking cinnamon schnapps, I, I might put that one step above drinking 100-proof peppermint schnapps in a plastic bottle. You know, not to derail this further, but what the fuck is up with, like, the most popular liquor flavor being, like, red-hot cinnamon? Like, what? Like, who the fuck? Like, because I know people aren't just buying red-hots. So, 
like, what is it about liquor that makes people like that red hot cinnamon type flavor? I legitimately have no idea. I cannot find any conceivable circumstances where people are going to get like red hot cinnamon liqueur as the choice beverage. Well, they get Fireball and that's basically the same fucking thing. I guess, you're right. I Fireball, I think is just like, a, oh yeah, it's got alcohol and it tastes too much like cinnamon for me to think about how much it tastes like alcohol, but like just deal with it like I, I i don't know how else to put that like you're way better off just drinking any other liquor fireball is bad for you it's bad for your mouth it's tricking you it's not it's not nice don't drink it no it's not you're better off with some absolute blackberry vodka if you want to have some flavored Ooh. liquor see classic classic gotta get that absolute so that's goldschlager there's not a whole lot more to it cinnamon flavored schnapps and it's golden so we've hit those two things let's get into de Kuiper products so de Kuiper products are probably something that you you're familiar with because they're in just about every liquor store they've got that big fat bottom on the bottle and that tall thin neck and they have basically everything you could want to make a cocktail they are a little bit like the willy wonka of the uh the the cocktail world this is like your blue curacao's this is like your fucking um peach schnapps like all that all that shit it's usually comes in like whatever color bottle like the fucking um the color of the liquor is yeah, exactly. And these are the types of products that you're going to see a lot in bars where they make drinks for presentation as well as taste because uh, the De Kuiper products, they taste pretty good. They're easy to mix with and they have colors that stay true to themselves. So don't drink too much of that blue curacao. It will turn your poop blue. However, they do have a lot of really good stuff. So they got butter shots. If you've seen that, they have their own brand of Amaretto. They have triple sex. They have, like you said, blue curacao's, creme de menthe. They've got all kinds of stuff. So if you're looking to make an interesting cocktail and you want a very specific flavor, I would check out the De Kuiper offerings because they have an awful lot of stuff and it's usually pretty affordable. Yeah, it's like, I mean, I, I haven't bought this stuff in so long, but like, it, it's probably like $15 for like a like a normal size bottle. Like, it's not much. No, it's really not. And I mean, there's a little bit of history behind the company too. They've been around for hundreds of years making these products. I mean, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. And they're like a staple of the alcohol world, so... Uh, I, I highly recommend you checking them out if you haven't Just already. like Wonka, it's been around for decades. Yes. Um, one more that you might not be as familiar with is Frangelico, which is a hazelnut and herb liqueur that's actually a pretty popular offering that's been around since the late 70s. Okay, so is this kind of like Bailey's? Um, no, it's a clear liqueur. It's got kind of a nutty, chocolatey taste to it almost, and uh, it's only at about 20%. The reason I included this one is because it is a whopping 40% sugar by weight. What the fuck? Yeah, sounds like a lot. Uh, when you drink it, it's not quite the same experience, but uh, it, it, it is a lot. I, I think I looked it up. There's like a 11 grams of sugar per ounce. That's more than a Coke. Yeah, per volume, that is way more than Coke. That That is, like, considerable amounts of sugar. That, like... That sounds like that sounds like 18th century medicine. And you know, if I did the uh, if I did the math, I I would bet that like, your average peach schnapps probably has more sugar in it. But like, ah, come on, man, Frangelico, <laughs> dude. Like, yeah, like there's so many other like if you're gonna have a sugary alcohol, like there's so much better things you could do than this. Yeah, so this is an alcohol that you're gonna find uh, pretty commonly in like tiki drinks, you know, or oh, like okay. island themed drinks. Makes sense. Yeah, because it's got a slightly herby, slightly nutty flavor. It uh, mixes in well with the other ingredients they're using. Right, right, right. So uh, I hope that we provided you with enough information to go out there and uh, be in a world of imagination all your own. Get some of that apple pucker, mix it with some uh, cinnamon schnapps. Think it's disgusting because you thought apple cinnamon was a good combination, but turns out 
it's not, and, uh, you know, throw up. Yeah, that, <laughs> that sounds like a bad trip. I don't know. That, that, that sounds like desperation, like, oh, this is all I have left, and then put it in a whiskey, and then, like, I guarantee you will never drink again. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's the goal, question that's mark? That's the goal, question mark? Oh, just a little bit of red wine when I'm feeling naughty because it's good for my pancreas or whatever. Yes, the pancreas. <laughs> it's, is it the spleen? What is red wine good for? I think it's actually good for your heart, your circulatory ah, system. something even more important. All right, speaking of uh, things that are more important and hearts, I don't know why. This is a bad segue. Anyway, as we do every week, let's welcome our very own Grandpa Joe, Frank Synopsis. Frank, how you doing, buddy? Come with me and you you'll be in a world of prestidigitation i don't even know what the fuck that means frank but sleight of hand oh okay are you a sleight of hand artist now oh is that okay so like what kind of tricks do you do do you do card tricks do you do like the quarter out of the ear thing like what is it well uh i can ride around on the top of the bus like a surfboard and uh, nobody seems to pay any attention Uh, i have snatched many many wallets i have even taken a watch off of a dead man that one is far less impressive. Um, so, Frank, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, is is this, like, a staple for you? Like, do you, do you enjoy this film? Oh, yes, of course. Uh, in fact, I actually take a trip to the Wonka facilities every now and again myself. Oh, do you? Uh, what, what do you do when you're there? Well, uh, you know, it's a little hard finding a suitable manhole cover to remove. I'm not the strongest one in the city, so I just kind of pop that guy off and I head down and I enjoy all the chocolate I can have. Oh, okay. Have they ever caught you? Mm, I don't think so. Okay. Have you, have you seen an Oompa Loompa while you're there? I have seen many. Okay. Have they noticed you? I don't think that I exist. Oh, you... <laughs> Very true, Frank. All right. Well, since you are an expert on this topic, why don't you give us a synopsis of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? All right. Charlie Bucket is a poor boy working as a paper boy to help support his family. His mother, his father, his two pairs of grandparents who spend their days bedridden. All right. So I'm going to stop you right there. It, it, I don't know that his dad is actually in the picture. His dad is in the movie. Where is he? He only has like two lines. I thought that was where his like maternal grandparents and his paternal grandparents. Yeah. Where's his dad? He's he's making the cat cabbage soup holy crap i didn't even know that yeah dude he's in the movie (laughs) oh all right well the more you know uh edit point (laughs) all right Charlie Bucket is a poor boy, working as a paper boy to help support his family, his mother, his father, and his two pairs of grandparents who spend their days bedridden. One day, Charlie wins a golden ticket to visit Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, a factory that the public has not been inside of for decades. There he meets the four other winners and the eccentric Willy Wonka himself. Chaos ensues. Thank you very much, Frank. Um, if you, it, what, Next time you go to the Wonka Factory, make sure you bring me back one of those Wonka bars. I haven't had one of those in years. Oh, of course, I absolutely will. And uh, next time there's a chocolate fountain in Central Park, I will be be sure to give you a oh, call. Oh, for sure. Make sure it's actual chocolate this time. The last time that the sewage line broke and you told me it was a chocolate fountain, I was very disappointed. Ah, uh, yes, yes, you know, the pesky broken pipes of New York Oh, Arson. of course. All right, thanks, Frank. All right, John, I'm ready to get started. How about you? I'm doing, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, yep, I'm ready. You're ready? Okay, what's wrong, buddy? I... This time there's just a turd outside. Yeah, um, so that's great. Okay, so if Frank offers you a Wonka bar, don't take it. All right, let's get right into it, guys. So we're going to go over some of just like the basic info so that you guys know kind of who the players are that we're about to talk about when we're talking about production. So let's get right into it. All right, so Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory was directed by Mel Stewart, produced by Stan Margles uh, and David L. Wolper, um, screenplay by Roald Dahl, um, based on the book also written by Roald Dahl, and um, 
an uncredited uh, script doctor by David Seltzer, who actually wrote a majority of the end of the film. Um, the film mm-hmm. stars Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka, Jack Albertson as Grandpa Joe, and uh, Peter Ostrom as Charlie. You know, uh, he looks like a... If he had a mustache, he would be the quintessential 70s guy, even as a child. Exactly. Like, oh, and if he had a handlebar mustache, he would look like a uh, like a, like a a 20s bartender. Yes, wonderful. Wonderful. Timeless, timeless child face that kid has. Anyway, so the music... Um, uh, so Leslie Bracus did the music. Uh, Anthony Newley wrote the lyrics, and Walter Scharf wrote the score. Um, cinematography by Arthur Ibertson. Uh, edited by David Saxon. Uh, the production company was Walper Pictures and get ready for this the Quaker Oats Company alright this reeks of big business tycoon who is the Quaker Oats man why does he have his hands all over the Wonka factory also I thought Quakers weren't allowed to watch fucking movies but I guess they can make them what's up this fishy around here (laughs) we'll get into it alright so it was distributed by Paramount Pictures and was released June 30th of 1971 Uh, the budget was 3 million dollars and then also hold your hats folks the box office return was 4.5 million okay I see so not the explosive success you might have uh, thought it would no it's it's widely regarded as actually technically one of the best flops in movie history because technically it's a flop because like when they say budget like that is the amount of money they paid to make the movie that's not including advertising costs so like you know they probably spent about two three million just on advertising alone so just think about it that way like they lost money in advertising but they did win in other areas of this and we will talk about that and hopefully it doesn't ruin the movie for you because uh to find some of this out ruined the movie for me <laughs> um not ruined it forever but just like kind of tainted it a little bit i got a sour taste in my mouth and it's not just the gobstopper all right not just the gobstopper I all see. right how do you fit that thing in your mouth it's shaped like a broken rubik's cube um so <laughs> like yeah they definitely made the little model like way too big like it should have been way smaller but you know yes. what if it's supposed to last forever i mean i guess you'll learn to deal with it all right so this this section is going to be titled from page to screen and back again so mm-hmm. Roald Dahl got the idea for the book charlie and the chocolate factory from his school days in england when cadbury would send out test packages to children to gather their opinions on new products not only this but because of the english chocolate wars between cadbury and roundtree's effects on the industry so that's where that's where you kind of get like the uh, the slugworth part of this story I see. I see. Uh, it's similar to what we used to do over here where we would send kids home with packs of cigarettes to give their exactly. parents. Exactly. You know, that's the Camel Marlboro thing. Yeah, so, like, they used to send spies to each other's chocolate factories in order to steal trade secrets. Many died in the Great Easter Egg War of 1923. All but two children were standing. Chocolate stains and eyes bloodshot. They both said, no more. And they founded the Hershey Chocolate Company. Is, is that no. true? <laughs> Okay, I was gonna say uh, something about this doesn't seem quite. I just right. want I just wanted to read some misinformation as actual information because you know if the government's allowed to do it, so am I. And you know what? I do it too. <laughs> I do this frequently. Exactly. Just say it with enough confidence, and people will believe you. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like how this movie is also noted as being one of the last times in Hollywood where they used fake orange people instead of just recruiting actual actors from their cultural homeland of the Jersey Shore. <laughs> I'm so glad for for Jersey representation. Jersey Shore did so much 
for, you know, the Jersey people. <laughs> yeah, could you imagine if the, all of the Oompa Loompas in this movie were actually Guidos? I, I mean, I think it would have made the movie more authentic, but you know what? We'll we'll get there, eventually. A bunch of broken bottles of rumple mints all over the Jesus ground. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you're, go- you're going after, the, after family I'm marrying into now. I, I have to stop this. <laughs> I see, I see. Alright, so the book was published in 1964. Um, and in case you didn't know, uh, Raul Dahl also wrote many other classic children's books that have been turned into movies. So, uh, the BFG, Matilda, The Witches, James and the Giant Peach, Fantastic Mr. Fox, and he wrote the script for Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Alright, so Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is one of those movies that's just like, they say white people have no culture. And I direct them straight to Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Or it's porno, um, remake Chitty Chitty Gang Bang. I see. You you missed the opportunity to make it shitty, shitty gangbang. Um, see, I'm not into shit porn, so I, I wouldn't have done that. We've talked about porn way too much on this podcast. We need to stop. We really have, but come on. Like, it's... <sighs> there is something about this movie that it just it feels dirty and you want to find a reason for it to be dirty but it's just not it's too wholesome oh i'm sure i'll find a reason for you here in a minute all right how do oompa loompas reproduce they're all men um actually technically no we'll get there you're asking questions that i'm going to answer later treat this like a lecture and not like a elementary school class (laughs) Mm -hmm. also roald Dahl had to know that the bfg was not an appropriate children's book title (laughs) well i mean like what it stands for Big Friendly Giant. What else could it stand for? You know what? Is this a, is this supposed to be one of those things where it's like, ah, a true child's mind won't think the F is for fuck. <laughs> hey, look, it's the big fucking giant. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But you're unworthy because you thought that. I'm, oh, okay, so I'm the bad guy. I'm the bad guy for you yes. putting it right in front of me. Okay, thanks, government. All right, so um, after writing the script for Willy Wonka, uh, Dahl wrote a sequel to the book Charlie and the Great Glass Elephant elevator which was um published in 1972 he had planned to write a third charlie in the white house but never got around to finishing it before his death in 1990 charlie in the white house sounds like Corey in the house but there's a british child covered in soot from his chimney sweep job who has that golden ticket still sticking out of his pocket well they actually use some of the unused like manuscripts for the pilot for Corey in the house Oh, in Charlie in the White House? Yeah, so they used the manuscripts from Charlie in the White House to make Corey in the house. I see, I see. They just they just flipped it. They, they just made it into something new. Gotcha. More misinformation. Anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Because there's no... <laughs> there's no fucking the timelines way. don't add up. <laughs> so, um, it's actually no secret that uh, Dahl did not like the finished film. Uh, he thought that the film um, put way too much emphasis on Willy Wonka and not enough on Charlie. Uh, he also hated the hmm. changes from the book, most notably turning Slugworth into a spy because that's not actually in the book. I uh, see. Years later, Dahl's widow stated, uh, why change the ending of a story for a film when children have already accepted it in the book? I see. And the answer, Roald Dahl, is money. The, the answer is money. And because um, they wanted to uh, make the lesson a little more clearer by uh, maybe making it seem like the kids died. <laughs> So yes, of course, it's one of those uh, brothers grim type tales. Exactly, and so like it just in case uh, you didn't know, um, because you haven't read the book or you haven't seen um, the Tim Burton version, this is kind of what we talked about earlier. Uh, the book ends with Wonka and Charlie going to Charlie's house to ask his family to live in 
the factory. Um, and it also shows the other four children leaving the factory with their lifetime supply of chocolate and permanent disfigurements from their misbehaving. Mm-hmm. And like and like we said, that scene is actually in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory from 2005, but it is not in this film. So if the kids represent the seven deadly sins, does that mean that Augustus Gloop is both gluttony and lust? I, I don't not not to say it again but the implications of that are horrible <laughs> anyway um so let's let's move on from a child's wish to a marketing tactic so which is usually how everything in america works <laughs> i'm gonna go ahead and expand this to everything period. everything period it goes from a wish to uh, a marketing tactic anyway so yes. director mel stewart's daughter asked him to make a movie out of the book after she read it Aw, how sweet. It's a daddy trying to, you know, do something for his daughter. You know, he's trying to use his art to connect with her. It's so cute. Yeah, a real Veruca Salt type. I, I don't know if she's a Veruca Salt type, but, you know, I mean, you imagine how you would. Imagine how you would. All right, so. Yeah, he's in the nut business. <laughs> I'm in the nut business anyway. Again, it's an innocent, child, wholesome film. (laughs) It's only adults listening to this. I'm not worried. Anyway, well, actually, it's no one listening to it, but I'm also not worried then. Okay, so it turns out the producer, David L. Wolper, just so happened to already be in bed with Quaker Oats about making a film to promote a new candy bar from their subsidiary, Breaker Confections, in Chicago, which, of course, it is now known as the Willy Wonka Candy Company. Interesting. Uh, Where does Nestle? come into the picture and why didn't we see enough hacked off hands of african slave workers um okay so you're getting way into the oompa loompa stuff before i want to (laughs) okay so uh quaker oats bought the rights to the book and story a first for the company and financed the film and to that i say oatmeal made a movie oh big oatmeal has their grubby (laughs) little quaker fingers in all of this where's where's the truth quakers don't make movies they make fucking wagons and they make goddamn little things that you can put trash cans in this is bullshit yeah, they like yeah they like church and they like carriages <laughs> sorry to any quaker listeners all right so <laughs> that's not even a problem they could not listen to this sorry for any quaker sympathizers listening anyway sympathizers like there's people that are against them i don't know this is dangerously off the rails okay so everyone was in agreement to make the film a musical i wish it was like this now and uh that world doll would pen the script uh like i said earlier david seltzer finished the script when doll could not meet the deadline and uh doll, but doll is the only uh writer credited in the in the film which is bullshit <laughs> As much as I like Raul Dahl, this is bullshit. <laughs> um, so right. while the filming was getting underway, Quaker Oats came up with the Wonka candy bar to sell in stores. And if you never had a Wonka bar, they don't make them anymore. But it was literally just graham crackers and chocolate. It was pretty good, in fairness. It was pretty good. Like, the, the chocolate was really good. It definitely made you feel like you were eating something out of the movie. Um, yes. Seltzer also proposed to rename the film from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Now, um, sensitive content warning um Mm -hmm. so and i'm only saying these things because it's you know within context so please don't come for me uh supposedly this was to skirt using the name charlie next to chocolate because um charlie was once used to refer to um enslaved uh african americans okay i see so again we're rolling this back to like the nestle human rights violations and all those malian children that they got to work on those cocoa plantations exactly it's um uh it's bad it's a bad time it's it's (laughs) it's not fun all right 
Right. Remember this next time you crack open a bottle of Nestle Pure Life Water. Because what's worse than hacking off the hands of African children? Uh, selling water in a bottle. <laughs> it is definitely very dangerous for the environment, but highly convenient. All right, so um, <laughs> let's go to Finding Mr. Wonka. So all six of the Monty Python members expressed interest in playing Wonka, and they were all turned down because the producers thought it would be too hard to sell their star power in England to the rest of the world. Because this was at a time when Flying Circus was not playing on American television. Mm-hmm. However, all of the living members were heavily considered for Tim Burton's version of the film in 2005. So um, we could have had fucking um, Graham Chapman as Willy Wonka, and I think that would have been fucking awesome. But yeah, that would have been. But good. we didn't get it, so it's all good. I think Gene Wild. I mean, I love Gene Wilder anyway, so I think this is one of his best roles, at least one of his most memorable. It is really good. Um, so no, he uh, he fits it perfectly. He, I mean, yeah, exactly. Like what once you see him on screen like i couldn't imagine anyone else being him like i think johnny depp did a different enough version but i mean it's essentially still the same character like i feel like gene wilder made this character and like so anyone else who's going to play him is only doing kind of like a pale imitation Mm -hmm. anyway so some other notable shortlist actors for Wonka were fred astaire joel gray ron moody and john pertwee uh roald Dahl's choice for the film was spike milligan who is a uh, legendary indian british actor much like Roald Dahl himself. I see. Yeah, so I think I think that he's kind of tipping his hand there. Like, I think Roald Dahl, like, kind of wrote himself as Willy Wonka, if you get what I'm saying. So, so is he the Willy Wonka of children's literature then, or is he the Willy Wonka of Willy Wonka? He's the Willy Wonka of children's literature. So, like, I think that, like, that's how he sees himself. That's an interesting, uh, you know what? Yas Queen. Yas Queen. <laughs> All right, so uh, G. Wilder was eventually awarded the role, and he only and he accepted it on one condition. And I'm going to read a quote here: "When I make my first entrance, I'd like to come out of the door carrying a cane, and then walk towards the crowd with a limp. After the crowd sees Willy Wonka as a cripple, they all whisper to themselves and then become deathly quiet. As I walk towards them, cane sinks into one of the cobblestones I'm walking on and stands straight up by itself. But I keep walking until I realize that I no longer have my cane. I start to." fall forward and just before i hit the ground i do a beautiful forward somersault and bounce back up to great applause ableism (laughs) it's literally ableism from that time on no one will know if i'm lying or telling the truth prestidigitation This is a new word for me. I, I did I did not know this word up until then. <laughs> All right, and then to finish up casting a little bit, uh, Peter Ostrom was cast as Charlie, and it is his only film credit, and he is now a world-class veterinarian who probably gets a shit ton of residuals. Yes, <laughs> uh, you know, just in case the uh, cats getting sick business wasn't good enough. In case people just stop caring about their cats. Which is, uh, you know, I'm not going to say that it's a, uh, it's a revolving door market, like it's just always going to be a thing, but I, I I firmly believe that it will always be a thing. I want to believe that people will always take care of their pets. I want to believe that people take care of their pets now. It's just not true. And uh, that sucks. And if you don't treat your animals well, fuck you. Don't listen to this podcast. Anyway. <laughs> right. Sorry. <laughs> Become a Quaker. Become a Quaker. Be, yeah. Be unable to listen to this. <laughs> Unlisten to everything I've ever said, you fuckface. 
All right, so let's talk about filming. So filming began on August 31st, 1970 and ended on November 29th, 1970. So this was actually kind of a long um, filming process. Um, it was filmed in West Germany due to it being cheaper than filming in the U.S. and had and it and the town had a factory in it. It had the exact right look that they were looking for for the uh, Waka factory town. And notice I said West Germany. <laughs> yes, West Germany. That's an important distinction of the time because guess what they had in East Germany? A whole lot of not candy. <laughs> it was a whole lot of uh, people still pretending Nazism was working. Um, <laughs> Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Let us into the factory so we can see the Oompa Loompas. We want to free them and send them back to wherever the fuck they're from. Are they from Venus? I think they're from Venus. Jersey Shore. And they weren't making candy. They were making bread out of sawdust <laughs> just like Chuck E. Cheese all right so the first scene filmed was Charlie running home with the ticket which I think that's a good way to start the filming process like that's probably like one of the most pivotal moments like that's like one of the scenes that sticks out when you think about this movie because it's like yeah I think so it's too. one of those things you've seen a million times um so the entire chocolate factory was yeah so the entire chocolate factory set was actually built around the chocolate room. So the chocolate room was actually like the biggest set piece, which I mean, obviously it is because when you see them walk in, it looks fucking massive. Yes. And uh, so everything else was built around that, like it kind of like on a round table. It was kind of cool. All right. So um, Ernest Siegler, uh, Grandpa George was actually nearly blind and had a red light to guide him where to look when he was in that fucking bed. Interesting. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. I just thought that was kind of cool. So I threw that in there. So do they have this thing? Is it like a, a cat laser light toy that they're using, or is it like a red light bulb? Like what? What? What are they doing? See, here? now we're, now we're supporting ableism because <laughs> you get to say that. I mean, look, they they first off, I want. I am not an optometrist, uh, <laughs> but I'm going to say that uh, the red light has the uh, the weakest wavelength of all visible light. How is a blind person supposed to see that more than a blue light, which has the highest one? Now, now you're now you're being decadist because maybe they decadist. maybe they didn't have a light that would have been easier for him to see. Enjoy the movie Magic, John. Why are you worried about it? Don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> um, physics. physics, physics. Anyway, um, so a lot of the reactions from the actors were genuine uh they had not seen the candy room until they stepped into it and they also did not know what was going to happen during the rowboat scene uh, so they just let him in there and they were like uh yeah we're gonna let you well or yell at him a little bit and uh you know we're gonna flash a bunch of lights in their face and uh yeah it'll be yeah good. exactly like not even the adult actors knew that that was gonna happen wait are we gonna use the red lights or are we gonna use the blue lights wait we had a blue light yeah why are we using the red light for the blind guy <laughs> um well we needed the blue light for this room and uh they said we couldn't afford another one and fuck him he's blind anyway again ableism. <laughs> ableism decadist anyway um so um gene wilder eventually said that like about 30 percent of the room was actual edible candy oh that's pretty so cool. they did i bet they had an ant problem oh i'm sure they did because well i mean no they filmed this like later in the year like i mean you know um if they would have shot that like a little further out i mean it would have been like october november and it's in west germany so yeah yeah that's true so i mean you know it probably wasn't too bad it's probably it, it gets cold as shit in germany it does get pretty chilly um since it's west germany i guess they didn't have the bavarian problem where it's you know later in the year means Oktoberfest. <laughs> so you know everyone's just walking around spewing beer all over the place i love it i want to live there anyway so um the cup that uh gene wilder eats in that scene was actually made of wax gene wilder did not know that uh so he had to ah. chew the wax pieces until the end of the tape 
cake and um he spit it out and like he he was kind of upset about it and like they went no one told you to do that mm-hmm. no one <laughs> no gene wilder eats cup <laughs> It's a it's a meme that's waiting to happen to go on our page. Anyway, yeah, yeah, so um another comparison to the Wizard of Oz. Um so the actors portraying the Oompa Loompas were actually known for being hard partiers and they would travel in limos to bars after shooting. Okay. I have to assume that they're not taking the costumes off set. No, no, it this is after they get out of costume. Like probably after they've already like, you know, drank whatever's in their flask for the day. Alright, so you know what makes me more disgusted about them not using actual people? people from the jersey shore is that they are actually getting in character as people from the jersey shore <laughs> and still not crediting actual people from the jersey they shore. are cosplaying um but to answer your question from earlier actually only one out of the 10 oompa loompa actors was a woman oh i see so this is like a smurf situation yeah, there's only one. <laughs> god damn it they're just orange Oh, God. We're being heightest right now. Uh, This is heightest? This is heightest. I didn't write the story. I I didn't. I I had nothing to do with this. I didn't put them in the movie. I'm looking at you, Quaker Oats. Quaker Oats, this is all your fault, you and your Quaker ways. All right, so Pyrrhus Themen, who plays Mike TV, said that the Chocolate River was made out of water with food coloring. Uh, So it is Yoohoo. It is Yoohoo, kind of. Um, But it was just like brown, like food coloring. Yeah, Yoohoo. But at one point, they tried to mix it with cocoa powder, but it didn't really work. Like they were trying to thicken it up. I see. They could have called their good buddies over at Nestle to get some of that Milo malt chocolate beverage mix. Fuck no. This was a Quaker Oats production. Nestle was hard at work on the moon landing. Anyway. (laughs) All right. Hold on one second. (laughs) The timeline doesn't even match. No, not even close. It's much closer to when they were doing dark things on the Ivory Coast. Ooh. Anyway. So... Also, Thailand, turns out. Thailand? Really? Uh, they, they've got their fingers all over the, the rest of the world. It, that's nuts. Anyway, we don't have time to get into that. Actually, it's beans. Cocoa beans. Cocoa beans, Charlie. Anyway, so um, while we're on the subject of Mike TV, uh, Gene Wilder said that the actor who portrayed him, uh, Paris Thebin, uh, said that out of all the children, he was the only one that was a handful. Oh, okay, so it's like a bit of a reverse thing going yeah, on. Yeah, so he's not the worst kid on screen, but he was definitely the worst kid in real life you know what that's showbiz that's show that's showbiz all right so the wonkatanian uh the boat that which if you don't know is the boat that takes charlie and mike to the tv room mm-hmm. oh yeah 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 the cum locomotive <laughs> the cum locomotive i i can't unsee it i can't unsee it uh you could also alternatively call it the stay puff marshmallow man bicycle the, i i like that one better that's more appropriate for what we're talking about here <laughs> So, um, so that little contraption was actually on a track, kind of like, uh, the Jungle Cruise at Disney World. It was built very similarly. You mean it's not an actual boat? Well, um, I'll get to that. The gentleman playing the Oompa Loompa driver thought he was actually driving the thing, and no one told him otherwise. All right, you know what? This is maybe the most forgivable dupe in the whole film because they're just trying to get some realistic, uh, you know, uh, acting out of their actor. Like, I, I get that. This is not like when Gene Wilder ate the wax flower cup. <laughs> Where it was just like, it was an accident and he just looks dumb. But you can, you can, right. Like, if you watch the movie and you know that, you can kind of see his face go a little like, oh, fuck. <laughs> 
Right, right, right. Uh, the reason everything is cut in half in Wonka's office was because the set designers couldn't bear the thought of Wonka having a boring office. Right, right, right. So you cut everything in half. I thought it was like implying that he is a half man, like he's half fulfilled. Guess not. It was just an aesthetical choice. I mean, I like where you're going with this. You're going very lit class with it, and that's what I always took from it. But nope, it just turns out that that was like what they thought of to make his office look interesting. I see. Just like how Nestle viewed all those workers in other countries as half people. Yikes, you you are on this soapbox. <laughs> I just need people to know that when they look this up on Google and most of the front page results are just Nestle's like quote unquote commitment to human rights on their website, they are paying a lot of money to cover up the fact that they committed human rights violations in developing countries. Yikes. <laughs> That is not this podcast. <laughs> and Google is complicit, and so is Quaker Oats. Are are they actually, or are you making that up? Well, they're paying Google money to put that on the front page of Google and not all of the journalism that covers up their uh, their abuses in Thailand and the Ivory Coast. Yikes. All right, so um, the last little piece of protection information I have, and I just thought it was kind of cute, is uh, Julie Don Cole, who plays Veruca Salt, did not want to do the scene where she's picking her nose because she had a crush on Peter Ostrom. Ah, I see. Uh, the handful Peter Ostrom. No, he's not. The, he's not the handful. That was uh, Paris Themen, who plays Mike TV. Peter Ostrom is Charlie. Ah, uh, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> they're they're all children. It doesn't matter. This is a fucking candy bar commercial. It is. It's one of the looking at you, Quaker Oats. It's one of the best candy bar commercials I've ever seen. I mean, it's pretty good. Yeah, and it only cost them three million dollars. Exactly. I hope they made it up. We'll find it. They made ads for a candy bar ad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, they they had to so that people would come see the movie. Mm. All right. So now let's talk about the music for a little bit. Uh, did you have a favorite song? Uh, they're all kind of fucking earworms. Uh, yeah, they're all pretty good. Uh, the Golden Ticket song was really good. I've got a golden ticket. I'm gonna get out of this bed and prove I could have worked. Anyway. <laughs> he could he have. Could have. He, he definitely, definitely could, could have. have. I feel like all the other grandparents actually were, like, legitimately bedridden, and he just kind of, like, went along with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least he had the heart to stop smoking around the kid. Exactly. You know what? If nothing else, Grandpa Joe did this for him. All right, so. Yes, exactly. <laughs> So, um, I don't have a particular favorite song. I think they're all pretty good, except for Cheer Up Charlie. It is arguably the worst song in the movie, and if they cut it, it wouldn't make a bit of difference. What's worse is that she might be the best singer. It, yeah, and it's, like, literally the most boring song of all fucking time. Like, it takes all of me to not just fucking fast-forward through it. I don't mm -hmm. even think they play it on the TV version. That's how much it sucks. <laughs> like, it's... Wait, they don't play that on the TV version? I don't think they do. Like... They just did a whole Showgirls chop shop on this one, too. <laughs> This one is like for like, okay, so we got to cut down on time to put more advertisements for different candy bars in here. So, um, let's take that Cheer Up Charlie song out of there because fuck that thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Gotta get those graham cracker chocolate bars out there. Hell yeah. Please bring back the Wonka bar. If anyone from like Quaker Oats is listening, if you're not too mad at us already, can you just like fucking make the Wonka bars again? Like how hard is it? It's graham crackers and chocolate. Just do it. You see, Nestle's got their hands busy, you know, doing other things. Nestle doesn't make it, dude. I'm 99% sure that Nestle owns the Wonka brand. Do they? Okay, I'd have to look that up. I have no idea. All right, so um, the soundtrack was released on vinyl in 1971, um, and the soundtrack does not include the rowboat sequence, which I think is a fucking shame. Shame on them. They should have included it.
included it. But shame. But it was used on as the first track on the first album by Marilyn Manson. Uh, the song is called "Prelude: The Family Trip" off of uh, "Portrait of an American Family," released in 1994. Ah, uh, yes, good old Marilyn Manson. Good old Manson, Marilyn. All right. So let, let, let's get, uh, all right, let's talk about the release. Uh, so the film was considered a flop by 1970s film standards. However, it did eventually recoup all of its advertising money back from sales of the Wonka bars and the Wonka brand. Again, looking at you, Quaker Oats. <laughs> you did this. Looking at you, Nestle, who does in fact own Wonka. Exactly. So um, it made its television debut on Thanksgiving night, November 28th, 1974 on NBC, and then it aired again in 1975, even though the first 40 minutes of it were cut off in 1975 due to a uh, football game going into double overtime. I'm so glad that family values will always be sacrificed for a little bit more pro football. Exactly. All right. So the film was, and I'm going to talk about the fucking home releases and you if you didn't know I was going to do that, then I, I don't I don't know why you're here. All right, so... Yes, stick it to the NFL by, you know, recording over their... Uh, uh, whatever. Just, just put the VHS Just in. put the VHS in. All right, so the film was released on VHS and DVD in 1997 and 1999, respectively. Uh, the DVD featured a widescreen version on one side of the disc and a matte version on the other. So the matte version was still, quote-unquote, widescreen, but did not cut off the top and bottom of the screen like the previous version did so like it had more space and was like actually the correct aspect ratio as opposed to the widescreen version and i'm like so why did you even bother having the widescreen version all right so it's clear to me that they didn't want to cut the top off so that you could see all of wonka's hat but why did they need to not cut the bottom part off? i don't know it doesn't make any sense and especially with the next release so the film was released again on dvd in 2001 but it was full screen only why why, 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 I, why, why? Why did you do this? You know what? I paid for the whole TV. I'm gonna use the whole TV. Fuck you. Fuck you, the, the, the 90s and the early 2000s with your goddamn square tube TVs. Love it. Love it. Don't love it. Anyway, so then it was released on HD DVD in 2007 with the Blu-ray version not coming out until 2009. So Willy Wonka tried to ride the HD DVD train. I'm glad. It's <laughs> the uh, it's the Betamax of, uh, you know, DVD. Formats. Yeah, they tried. They tried and they failed. Um, it, right. If DVDs were so good, why was there no DVD two? Uh, technically, HD DVD was DVD two, but exactly. And look how that went. <laughs> they switched all the way to a new series. All right. And then finally, the most recent Blu-ray release is from 2011. All right. Let's talk a little about little bit about the unsung heroes of this thing. So, um, the score was nominated for an Academy Award in 1972, but it lost to Fiddler on the Roof ironic considering all of the uh content of fill of the roof versus the human rights violations of the nestle corporation um yeah actually that's a pretty apt comparison <laughs> i'm gonna i'm going to have to give you that one i ah, see see striking again sticking it to speaking truth to power exactly so i'm looking at you quaker oats guy <laughs> what are you are you like the starbucks lady do you have a vagina under there? We don't know. We don't know who you are. Show us your body. Okay. Yes, he's like the uh he's like a he's like a Ben Franklin except not fun. You know, when I was a little kid, I always thought the Quaker Oats guy and Captain Crunch were the same person. I like that. I, I love this angle. I love the cinematic universe that you're putting out into the world right now. <laughs> oh god, do we need a food fight universe? Yeah, we do. Because the Honey Smacks guy and the Honeycomb guy and Toucan Sam, like all the, they they've gone long enough without being called out for being little bitches. Jesus. Christ. 
Christ. If you guys have not seen anything about Food Fight, um, I guess I would suggest starting with John Tron's video about Food Fight, but then go watch some of Food Fight for yourself. It's it's amazing what happened there. Yeah, can we put, um, you know, the uh, Papa John on there? Can we make him a part of that? No, Papa John is forever done. Not only did he uh, use a, like, a naughty word, like a racial epitaph, but is that how you say that? Uh, epithet. Uh, he used... Yeah, epitaph is what they say when you die. Ah, gotcha. So what? what is it? Which, I mean, kind of the same thing. So it's epith? Uh, it is, uh... Epithet. Epithet. Okay. Yeah, so not only did he uh, use a racial epithet, but he also now makes horrible, cringeworthy TikToks to try and get back some of his fame, so no, fuck Papa John forever. Is this like that one time where he said he'd eaten 40 Papa John's pizzas in the past 30 days and he noticed the quality going down? I I hate that he did that. I actually hate that he did that. I hate him. Fuck him. Alright, so, right. um, I feel like this film is snubbed and is kind of held back by technically being an advertisement, and it's a good advertisement i'll give it that but it's just like i think the creativity on the film and with like the perfect cast that they had the perfect time the score and just pure imagination the song alone like i feel like that ascends it being an advertisement because at the end of the day like movies are always trying to sell you on something yeah yeah you know titanic was trying to sell you on air travel (laughs) look how it used to be fly delta all right yeah yeah (laughs) The film was added to the National Archives in 2014. After all, what is more American than making films and TV shows to sell candy and toys to children? (laughs) Again, Titanic. (laughs) Titanic air travel. Look at these fuckos getting stuck on a goddamn door and only one of them could fit on it. On Delta Airlines, every seat's a fucking door. (laughs) Yeah, every seat's a door or every seat is a life preserver? (laughs) Same difference. (laughs) Honestly, though, Delta Airlines is so much further... We cannot do... We're not also an ad for Delta Airlines. (laughs) Delta Airlines feel like you're in first class when you're in coach <laughs> definitely not however i think delta has the best coach um not sponsored should be god i, I want to yes. get some of that fucking delta airlines money god damn all right that'd be pretty sweet all right so i wanted to finish this episode off i kind of wanted to rope this month together in some form of way um so if they did a third adaption of this story who do you think should direct it oh who should direct it oh man uh michael bay michael you want to see a michael bay version of this i feel like it would be somewhat similar to the tim burton version like have you seen the michael bay like produce friday the 13th i have actually seen that it's not Uh, horrible but it's not great either yeah yeah uh who else would be good uh jj abrams i think would do a pretty interesting job jj abrams would do a pretty good job of this but i think there's only one man for the job Mm -hmm. wes anderson you know what i'm gonna give it to you i I think so wes anderson would make i feel like he would make a really really good version of this um and i actually have a short list for actors who i would want to see in it um so obviously it's wes anderson so bill murray is going to play grandpa joe yes yeah 100 and i'd love to see bill murray as grandpa joe i I think we need to get this done. I think we need to fast track this one. But um, as far as my shortlist for Wonka, uh, here's what I got. I try. I, I was trying to think of like how you could diversify it a little bit, but I do have some like obvious ones on here. So top of the list, Shia LaBeouf. Okay, I see it. Um, 
may be problematic considering uh you know he's uh he's he's a bit of a um he's a bit of a pariah these days yeah i i understand but i feel like i feel like he would be so good at this role so like person personality aside i think he would do a good job with this um another person i think that would do a really good job would be donald glover aka childish gambino I see. I see where you're. Uh, I see where you're coming from. That I think he would do a great job. Um, Adam Driver. Adam Driver would be uh, more. <laughs> it, it's just more chocolate pouring onto Augustus Gloop's corpse <laughs> while he's punching holes into him. More. He turns into like one of those like Wonder Balls that they had when we were kids, and like candy just comes out again. Nestle, <laughs> Disney. John joined jo- at the hip. John, just fucking buy your fucking house in the mountains with your goats, man. It's never gonna you get better. You know what? Um, I'm gonna throw out a um, I'm gonna throw out a Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser, yeah. You know what? I think this would be a good comeback film for Brendan Fraser now that he's doing better, which I'm glad to hear. I'm mm-hmm. so, I'm I feel bad that he had to suffer in silence and we were still making fun of him. But anyway, yes, we were. But, but anyway, um, so Simon Pegg, uh, like from um, fucking uh, oh god, Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> Yes. I feel like he would be a good choice. Uh, Michael Sarah would be an interesting choice. Michael Sarah would be very much a, uh, very much like a Johnny Depp was. I think so too, but maybe, maybe Michael Sarah for, uh, Slugworth. Does, uh, Michael Sarah sing? Is that a thing that he does? Uh, he has, he does sing. Not, I don't think he has quite as, like, a, like, a sultry voice as, like, Gene Wilder, but he definitely mm-hmm. does sing. He does, he did come out with an album of experimental music and has played bass and done backup vocals for many bands including weezer on the album hurley ah did not know that yes so there's a little bit of extra information for you um i think another good wonka would be owen wilson i see i'm gonna go ahead and throw out a uh, jake Busey, <laughs> gary Busey's son yeah or gary Busey. you could just throw gary in there at the end you lose you lose good day sir <laughs> one of my favorite sound bites of all time um so and then i thought maybe joaquin phoenix he's a little eccentric I feel like he could probably pull it off. After all, we do live in a society. (laughs) And um, my last choice, and I was like, who would be a good female Wonka? And I don't think you could go anywhere other than Helena Helena LeBondum Carter. I see. Um, What about a Brie Larson? Ooh, that would be good. But like, I feel like she's not weird enough. I feel like um, I feel like if you were gonna go weird female, um, you would not weird. I don't mean weird, but like I think Aubrey Plaza maybe. Aubrey Plaza, you could do that. Lizzo, Lizzo as Willy. Wa- this is greenlit. Wes Anderson directing. Um. <laughs> Fucking Bill Murray as Grandpa Joe, Lizzo as Willy Wonka, and Shia LaBeouf as Charlie, and just no one, no <laughs> I, I, one, no like one that. calls attention to the fact that he is not a child. All of the rest what of about, the actors uh, are the... children except for Charlie, who is Shia LaBeouf. What about uh Finn Wolfhart? Is that his name? Okay, look, they're already having a hard enough time de aging him for like the shit he's already <laughs> in. Let's not add more. Like, I'm so tired of seeing CGI faces on top of real people. It's getting fucking mm-hmm. freaky, and I don't like it. Yeah, I'm not really up to date on our child stars these days. Uh, I don't really know any of them that are, uh, you know, not 19 now. Is Drew Barrymore still a child? <laughs> In our hearts, In our- <laughs> yes. <laughs> You'll always be that girl from E.T., Drew. All right, so, um... 
I think that's gonna do it for this week, John. Um, I had a lot of fun with this one. Um, it's one of my favorite movies, and I will be watching it more than once during this Christmas season. I'm glad that you will be. Um, I will be lucky to view any movies this season, uh, because I will be retreating into the hills to live on the hillside with my goats. <laughs> I'll, I'll send you some film reels. You should be able to get that to work. Oh. Yes, definitely. All right, guys. So thanks for hanging out with us this November. Thanks for hanging out with us anytime you hang out with us. Um, So next month, we're going to go into Christmas Part 2. So we did Christmas last year, so go and check that out. Uh, and this year will be no different. Um, we are actually going to release four episodes this year. And these will actually be the last four episodes of Season 2. I know some of you were hoping I was going to say, of the show, and fuck you. Right. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Quaker Oats guy. Nobody asked for your input. Nobody asked for his input. They only ask for ours, and they don't even ask for that. They're just getting it anyway. So anyway, yes. we'll see you next week with uh, with our first episode in our Christmas series. Uh, I think we're going to do Silent Night, Deadly Night. Ooh, back to horror. Back to horror. Back to back to back. All right. Thanks for hanging out, guys. Uh, as always, check us out on Facebook. Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts so we can get more shitheads like you. Uh, for more your inflammation, I'm Zach. And I'm Joe. Watch a new movie this week and tell your shitty friends. Bye, guys.